You're listening to the Island Church Podcast. If you'd like more information or to donate to this ministry, visit islandchurch.tv. Well, this evening, for just a, a few moments, I want us to, uh, to look at the, the Christmas experience, a little different perspective than what we've talked a lot. We've been talking a lot about the incarnation, the virgin birth, uh, walking through uh, this past Sunday and looking at Mary and the things that she was pondering in her heart and then looking at the things that God proclaimed. We'll look at it from a little bit different angle this evening. We'll look at it from the wise men. But uh, before I get into this, I found this uh, somewhat humorous. It may be true. Uh, but for all of you who are looking for Santa this week, I need to read you a memo. It's to all Southern USA residents from Santa regarding replacement Santa. I regret to inform you that effective immediately due to the growing population, I will no longer be able to serve the Southern United States on Christmas Eve. However, I have provided a replacement for you my third cousin, Bubba Claus. His side of the family is from the South Pole. There are a few differences between us that you need to know about. Number one, instead of milk and cookies, Bubba Claus prefers that you leave RC Cola and pork rinds. Number two, Bubba Claus's sleigh is pulled by flying coon dogs instead of reindeer. <laughs> Santa made the mistake of loaning him a reindeer once and his head now overlooks Bubba's fireplace. <laughs> instead of hearing on Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, you'll hear on Earnhardt and Wallace and Gordon and Jarrett. The classic Christmas movies such as Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life will be replaced by Boss Hog Saves Christmas and Smokey and the Bandit Five. <laughs> Bubba Claus does not wear a belt, so make sure the wife and kids are turning the other way when he bends over to put the presents underneath the tree. At May or may not be true. <laughs> Matthew chapter two and verses one through 12. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked, where is this Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler 
who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The nativity that we see displayed all over and the, the nativity that we have before us today, you have the wise men or the magi and you have shepherds and they are, they are all together. But in reality, that's not how it happened. Matthew is careful to use the, uh, the word house in verse number 11, and he also uses the word child. So he's not using the word stable, he's not using the word manger, and he's not using the word baby, but rather house and child. When you read on and you find that Herod decides that he wants to kill all the, the baby boys that are two and under, you can begin to reason that probably Jesus was 12 months to 24 months when the Magi actually arrived. I think it's important for us to talk about the wise men. We make it such a part of the Christmas story and I think it's important tonight to look at the gifts that they, that they brought. One of the enjoyable experiences of Christmas is, is gift giving, giving gifts to others. It'd be nice to think we got that from the wise men. They brought gifts to Jesus. You know, when it comes to giving gifts, we give and receive. I don't know that it's really a gift exchange. It's, it's gifts for gifts. I don't know that we give out of, totally out of love. I know that we do. I, I can't wait for Liz to open the gifts that I have for her. And I've been telling her, she has no idea. And I'm excited about it. More excited about it than the golf stuff that I picked out and she wrapped for me. <laughs> but you know what happens a lot of times is people give us a gift and we think, well, they gave us a gift. 
what do you think that costs? Let's try to find something that costs about that and we'll give them something back. And, and so we look at it in, in that regard. It's really not, I'm giving this because I love, I'm giving because they gave to me, so now I have to. But then there's also this that takes place. You know, they didn't give me a gift last year, so I'm not getting them one this year, that type. But a real gift is motivated by love. A real gift is motivated by love. There's a, there's a lot of takers, if you will, in the world. There's a, a lot of folks that have a pretty selfish mentality that have not really come to understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's, there's almost a sense of, of entitlement at times. You know, if you, if you work for a place that they provide, you a, they provide you a Christmas bonus, then what happens the next year? It's no longer just a gift, a Christmas bonus. It's an expectation. And if we don't get it, then man, what's wrong? Something's, something's up. A real gift is motivated by love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The phrase gift exchange is actually an oxymoron. The phrase love gift is a redundancy because love always gives. You've heard me say a hundred times, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Think about this at Christmas. Some gifts are and, and would be inappropriate gifts. For example, uh, you wouldn't want to give a toddler permanent markers for Christmas. It's an inappropriate gift. Uh, it's interesting what the wise men or the magi, it's interesting the things that they brought. And at first glance, you wonder, but when you look at it more closely, you recognize that the gifts that they brought were not accidental, but they were so wise in their selection of gifts, they help us to understand really more about Jesus. So I want us to think for just a moment here more about giving than receiving. I, uh, I was thinking about messages I've preached around Christmas and I think they're fine. We talk about what God provides for us, what God gives us, the gifts that he makes available. And of course, we talk about the greatest gift in all is the gift of salvation, for by grace you are saved. It is the gift of God. The greatest miracle, the greatest gift, we talked about it on, on Sunday. 
But let's focus on what we can give. Because I think so much of the time we focus on what we'll receive or it's a part of our mindset. But what can I give? Looking at the wise men and what they gave, I believe it parallels what we can give. Number one is this, they gave gold. Gold has always been one of the most valuable commodities on earth. Kings received gold as a tribute. When Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of our life, master, savior, master, Lord, what goes with it? He becomes the king of our life. And we can give to him. I think it's important that we understand that what we give, not so much the amount, all things being relative, but yet what we give, our generosity in giving really reveals whether he is our king or not. You know, there's folks that would, they say, I'd just love to give to God. I'd, I'd love to tithe or I'd love to give in offerings. I'd love to give in missions. But it's never more than, than a wish. We pay our, our mortgage, we pay our bills, we spend stuff on us. And if we have anything left over, we give God the leftovers. Proverbs 3, 9 says, to honor the Lord with your wealth in giving him first fruits of your income. I'm not talking about amounts of money, I'm talking about an attitude of generosity. If you think this is all about money, it's really not. It's just the expression in which we honor God that we show because money is our king. Cash is king, cash rules. And so this whole idea of, of having a heart of generosity, that we are a giver, that God is a giver, and that he gets the first of my life. You know what's interesting? We worship God on the first day of the week. He gets our first moments in devotion. He gets my first moments, my first thoughts of the day, and he gets my first fruits. Before I pay all of my bills, I first give to God. They brought him gold, representing that he was king. They gave him the very best. I believe he deserves our very best. We've been talking this Christmas season about a missions gift because Jesus is the first missionary that came to earth. Sunday, we talked about the shepherds were the first evangelists to go tell people about Jesus. Jesus, the first missionary, came from heaven to earth to tell us and show us what God is like. And no better way to honor God at Christmas than by being a part of his mission that the whole world would know Jesus. See, I believe what we do makes a difference. And so this week, 
Liz and I wrote out a check and I, I figured up when I added up all the Christmas gifts we were buying for our family, I thought, I'm gonna, all, I'm gonna total all that up and I wanna give God more than what I'm giving my family. So we give God the biggest Christmas gift from our family because he's king and he's worthy. And they brought him gold. Gold speaks of giving, our tithe, our missions, our offering, a spirit. Let me just mention this and I'll move on. God's plan is perfect, amen? He doesn't ask for equal gifts. He asks for equal sacrifice, 10%, whatever it is that you make. He's not asking for everyone to give X amount. He's asking all of us to have a heart of generosity. And the, the widow gave more than everyone. She gave out of her need and not out of her abundance. So they brought him gold. How appropriate. Because the test of lordship in our life revolves around our money. Our money is, is a big deal to us. Here's the second thing. They brought him incense. Incense has to do with worship. They burned incense when they worshiped. They wanted, they wanted the worship experience to affect all the senses, even smell. The cloud that the incense created represented the presence of God. The incense produced a unique odor that people only associated with worship. We have, we have certain smells that we associate. When Liz cooks a pot roast on Sunday and, 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 and puts it in in the morning and I, we walk into the house, as soon as I smell that pot roast, it takes me back when I was a little boy, every Sunday, my mom cooked a pot roast. And there was something about coming into that house and it was like Sunday and it was, it was a celebration and it, we were gonna eat and we were gonna, by dad and I were gonna watch football or baseball or basketball, whatever the season was. Incense spoke of, of worship. Incense speaks of this, it speaks of joy. When they, when they would experience the incense, it spoke of joy in worship. And so the wise men, the wise men, when they bowed down, there was so much joy, they could hardly contain themselves. They were filled with worship. Why'd they bring incense? Because they came to worship the king. I love that. And then they brought myrrh. Myrrh was an ointment that was used on, on dead bodies to slow decay. Daniel wrote this, so the Messiah being cut off or killed. The Christmas song that is all over social media this time of the year. One that I love, Mary, did you know? Did you know? How could Mary know that her child was born to die? How could she know that those little hands would one day be torn apart by huge nails? How could she really know 
that little tiny side that pulsated with every breath and every heartbeat would be ripped apart by a Roman spear. When Jesus hung on the cross, one of the thieves that was dying beside him looked at him and believed in Jesus. He believed that he was the king and that he would live again. That took a lot of faith because he experienced all the mocking. He saw what everybody was doing, but he recognized that he was the Christ, the Messiah, Savior, Lord, and King. That took faith. What faith it must have taken for wise men to bring something that is related to death to a baby. You see, the myrrh represents the need for us to offer him our lives. He was willing to die for us when you die to self, when you lose your life in following him, it demonstrates. We are control freaks. We want to control our life. And, 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 and this whole idea of death, it's of surrender our life completely. The whole idea of myrrh, I, it has to do with life and it has to do with loyalty. It demonstrates that he's king of my life that I'm not gonna live my life full of self-pity and self-righteousness, but I give it all to God. I'm not begrudging that I could have a different life or a better life. There is no better life. What can we give the Lord? I believe we can give him gold. He asked for our first fruits. That's a fascinating thought at Christmas time because we spend so much money, we go in debt, takes time to pay off. But he asked that we honor him. That was the gift that was presented to him. So this isn't my idea. This is God's idea. It has to do with having a, a heart to give, to give him the very best. They brought him gold. They brought him incense, which spoke of joyous worship. What can I give God that he doesn't have? Only one thing. And that is my worship. Prayer in its purest form goes into the presence of God to take something away. But praise and worship goes into the throne room of God and it stays there. It's the only thing I have to offer God. I love you. I bless you. I praise you, God. And then I offer you my life afresh. I'm sold out. I'm not looking for a different way. I'm not looking and judging by what others do. I have decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. I die to self and I live unto Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what the wise men, a part of the, they're a part of the Christmas story. We include them in. That's what they did. They gave of their very best. They worshiped and they gave of their life. Father, I love you. I thank you 
God, I learned so much through these messages, through studying and preparing. And I don't know that I ever really caught all these things and had an understanding of what they truly meant. I, I got it that it was gold and the, the incense and the whole idea of the burial with myrrh, but, but God, I understand it a little bit more. And for just a little bit of time, God, I, I don't wanna come before you to say, God, I have this need. God, I need for you to give me this. I know prayer is, is, is something that you invite us to do, and it's how we communicate. But God, I'm not coming tonight to receive something from you, but just for a moment, could you capture our attention? Could it linger? Could it be a part of our thought, our meditation, tonight, tomorrow, that God, I wanna give to you. I wanna give my best. I wanna be a generous giver. I give my worship, worship, what I believe is worthy. No one else am I gonna stand, lift my hands, lift my voice, give praise, adoration, affection. You are the only one worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. And God, I give you my life fresh. May we ponder these things. And if there's one here tonight who doesn't know you, know the reality of Jesus, that Jesus came so that we might have fellowship, be restored to our Father, and that living for you is not it's not about a better life, but it's about a changed life. That I no longer live for self. Giving means I no longer live for self. I'm living for others. I'm living for you. And that, that the meaning and purpose of life is when we discover you as our Lord and Savior. Make that reality real. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the Island Church Podcast. For more information, visit islandchurch.tv.